Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Shit bowling ideas back and forth. Hippie science. Right. right. It's not science science. It's almost like I'm trying to call for just people to just be better. That we could have some kind of study on these types of things. Her mother was on board, I guess. Of course yeah. she was. She got pre-groomed and board and didn't have to fuck the man to do it. <laughs> Our devil's advocate type stance here. See you Jessica. And you're Seth. And this is the Hippie Science Variety Hour. So, I listened to a podcast recently called The Portal with Brett Weinstein. Right, and you sent it to me. I sent it to you. Did you ever get through it? I think I listened to most of it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, the last, like, I'd say 15 minutes, I was pretty dazed and confused, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, so. so it gets it gets pretty it gets pretty dense, right? Yeah, Scientifically, um, yeah, which I, I which s- I loved. I had to but... stop it a couple of times to, write, like, watch <clears throat> many videos so I knew what the fuck was going on. Because those two right. guys are brilliant. They are, and, you know, they're, they're like... They're very embattled because of the circles that they run in and the way that they sort of splashed into public life. Right. But I'm not really interested in any of that right now. So I really want to talk about the substance of what they were talking about, right? So divorced from any anything they they talk about politically or, you know, in that kind of vein, this is completely separate from that because this is a very scientific discussion that they had. Yeah, it was. And this was the discussion between Brett and Eric, right? Is that their that's their names, right? Yeah, yeah, they're okay. brothers. Yeah. So Brett you know, Brett got in into a big political thing a while back and that's 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 what he's known for and his his science hasn't really gotten the level of respect i guess it was deserved because he at all yeah because he didn't um you know he he got kind of a kind of a shitty deal out of out of the system right and then i I feel like i feel like by anybody's standards it's a shitty deal like not a kind yeah like he got raw dog by the scientific community and not a good way (laughs) which which is a thing that can happen it's it's one of the things i personally have have kind of worried about when i think about going to grad school and that type of thing because a lot of the times undergraduates are you know they 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 see graduate students working and you know you don't really think about what they're doing but they're really doing like the lion's share of like the the day-to-day work on research projects, right? Right, right, yeah. So then, like, necessarily, you know, there's, there's like, a principal investigator in, in your research project, but especially if you're at a university and you're a grad student, you're probably going to reach out to multiple departments if if there is some expertise that you want to check on from another discipline to make sure that the the thing that you're working on lines up perfectly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not always in the hands of your principal investigator. Right. Um, so the, the people who you have to reach out to aren't people that really give a shit about you, you know, Mm -hmm. um, they don't have a reason because you're not one of their students. And 
there's there's this whole thing in in the scientific like not only the hard sciences but i also don't like that phrasing uh the hard sciences versus the soft sciences as people say hard sciences being like biology chemistry physics you know any combination of those and soft sciences being more like psychology based and mm-hmm. sociology and that type of thing i i think it's necessarily demeaning it to, is and it's meant to be like that yeah it is and i think that's fucking stupid because especially with psychology like the more and more we move forward psychologists are having to learn more actual neuroscience to right yeah take their results to the furthest extent and you know there might be some half-assed elitist neuroscientists out there who you know look at psychology as like the you know the lesser version of what they do but mm-hmm. uh it, listen it's not because a, a lot of the not. groundwork a lot of the groundwork psychology has done uh was the jumping off point for a lot of the neuroscience that we understand now yeah right on top of that you know there there's a couple of schools of thoughts in neuroscience where one of them is take it from a sort of top-down perspective and the other one is saying take it from a bottom-up perspective to where um and this was actually the the bottom-up perspective was actually one of the people who was highly um influential in my education his name was uh dr john bickle he he was the editor of the oxford handbook of uh neuroscience right yeah and he wrote this book called ruthless reductionism where the conclusions he draws are based on taking everything from the like basically the smallest functional level that we can understand and building out from that to understand real neuroscience right Mm -hmm. but without the sort of end goals i think i do think that's the best way to get a complete picture of what's going on but without the sort of end goal of some of the things that psychology has figured out i think a lot of the time you you would find yourself going down sort of dead end roads where you're like okay well that's how you know this electron works but if you're not looking at you know for instance like why something happens when one kind of memory test is done versus another kind of memory test, which is the exact kind of things that you see a lot of psychology doing. Yeah. Um, There's no real reason for a lot of the bottom up type work to, to reach a a useful conclusion. Right. Okay. (coughs) So that was um, a little off topic. (laughs) Yeah, well, but, let's set up the so give a since you were the one that wanted to do this episode, give a little rundown about what the podcast is about that we listened to that spurred this discussion. Yeah, so, so kind of have like a basis of what we're talking about. In in the podcast, in the portal with Eric Weinstein, with his guest Brett Weinstein, who is his brother. Um Eric brings brings Brett on to have a chat and then once Brett gets there Eric says so listen you are not this lesser scientific mind that people make you out to be um because Eric is an evolutionary biologist and while he started his education in a in an Ivy League school 
he left that Ivy League school due to controversy for him uh, standing up against uh, racism, funnily enough, with <laughs> um, right. the things that he became embattled over later on. Um, his When he left that school, he went to the, the University of Michigan, I believe, where there was also one of the foremost evolutionary biologists of the field at that time working there. So he was a graduate student under that man, and he had this idea while he was working in that guy's lab, and it wasn't an idea that was directly related to the type of work that guy did, right? Right. So he had to reach out to another department, which was also part of the biology department, but they did a lot of work on what's called telomeres, which are these sort of extra bits at the end of chromosomes, right? So it's just like extra parts of non-coding DNA that for a long time were kind of mysterious. They didn't really know what they were for. But over time, they've noted that... um, Fuck. uh, Jesus, I lost the word. How did I lose the word? How Uh, did you lose the word? Telomeres. (laughs) Okay. They They found that telomeres shorten... Uh, as cells age right Right. so they they're thought in some ways to function as kind of like a clock on the cell's life right Mm -hmm. um and they're you know largely thought to be related to the process of aging and you know there's a lot of science to dig into there deterioration of our cells right Yeah. yeah yeah so Another way that they thought this might, um, it, they thought it would be an indicator of cancer, too. Mm-hmm. So as an indicator of cancer, they said, okay, so if a cell is having to replicate over and over and over again really quickly, like you see in cancer, then it must necessarily mean that the telomeres get short faster and stop working faster, right? Right, uh, right. The weird thing with a lot of cancers is that they kind of find ways to circumvent that so the the stopwatch doesn't run out in time, right? Right. Um, so what Brett did is he was he was watching some lecture, I guess, where they were talking about how laboratory mice always die of cancer, period, the end, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's... That's weird, right? They think that's just what happens to mice. Yeah, but why? Um, why is, it, why but is why? nobody asking, but why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, he, he's just a graduate student here. So he, he starts looking into it. And he talks to uh, another expert. And he realizes that, okay, so mice have these really long telomeres. That's why they, they're, they're just thought to have long telomeres naturally. Right, because laboratory mice are pretty much what they've studied, right? Right. Um, and the the person he talks to is like, yeah, um, mice have long telomeres. They all die of cancer because they have long telomeres. The end. And he says, so what if what if it's related to the way that we breed the mice, right? Because he came at it from an evolutionary perspective. He said, what if it's with about the way that we breed the mice under these lab conditions because they, I mean, they buy these mice from places that are specific, specifically designed to churn out a lot of mice. Right. Right. Um, and like, I don't, I don't want to dig into the mechanisms of exactly how their, um, telomeres got longer because he 
certainly fucking does. But I'm not an evolutionary biologist, so I'd be a little out of my depth anyway. Yeah, we um, can just leave that one to the real expert. Yeah, we'll link the podcast. Yeah, we'll episode. link the podcast. Yeah. Um. So he realizes, yeah, um, this place that is is sort of the primary supplier of lab mice in in this country, at least. Maybe maybe more than this country. They they breed these mice at such a rate that functionally their telomeres just become so long that drug toxicity doesn't appear the same way it does in the animal models as it does in human models. See, right. That, that was my first moment in the podcast episode that was like, oh, fuck. <clears throat> what? Yeah. Yeah. Because my mind just started spinning. Now, let's just preface every the rest this podcast with, I do not agree with animal testing as a hippie person. <laughs> I just don't okay. agree with it. I don't think that animals should be bred just to be tested upon. However, why are we testing on the wrong animal? <laughs> like, if we're going to do it, let's do it in the settings in which it can actually mimic what a human body would do. Because if we're testing it <clears throat> on these mice, we're obviously not getting accurate results. I well, mean, like, that was so, my so the interesting thought. is that it might have started accurate. Right. Okay, and just like as the breeding and as, continued, yeah. went inaccurate. Yeah, okay. as time as time went on, yeah. Now, okay. I, I, I would Possibly. love to be able to. I would love to say I'm not in favor of animal testing. Right, like on on like the front of it, I'm like, man, it really sucks. You know. Yeah. Um, I also would prefer to have a model like an animal model other than just releasing something on the public without knowing the long-term effects of it right i mean i agree because with you there too i it's it's shaky ground for it like it's a i yeah. don't want it tested on humans but i don't want it tested on animals and so my default position is just don't have them i mean i don't know yeah see and i obviously i mean we're pretty well documented on me preferring that drugs exist. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but, so the thing is, they, they haven't always, like, they don't consider animal models to be the the gold standard, right? Because right. That's why they That's why they move from animal trials to human trials, because a lot of the times you can make something happen in an animal due to subtle differences in physiology that doesn't happen in a human. But yeah. this is this is one of those cases where you know, if something is toxic, it's much more likely to, you know, if something has a, le a level of toxicity to it, it's much more likely to present itself over the animal's lifespan mm -hmm. than it is during human trials, right? Because okay. the animal's lifespan, especially for something like a mouse, is so much shorter. Right. right? You can see the effects quicker. Yeah, you can see the longer term effects right, right. that are most likely to express much better. I can get, I can see that. Okay. Yeah. So that's why these mice having long telomeres was kind of a fucking disaster. Right? Right. Because they weren't seeing the kind of toxicity effects that they would if they had regular length telomeres. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Brett, he's like, well, shit, you know, let's gather all the evidence on this. And it sounds, you know, he... he he explains in depth on this podcast about how he went about gathering the evidence. 
he reached out to the other researcher, talked to this person a lot, and got good concrete evidence from them and asked, uh, hey, so when are you going to publish this, right? So that I can use it as a citation. Right. Right. And she was like, oh, no, we're going to keep this in-house, whatever that means. But that means we're going to bury this shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially especially something that's like a scientific breakthrough of that yep. magnitude. <laughs> right, um, right. Keeping that in house doesn't seem right. But no. he was a young he was a young graduate student. Right. He 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 didn't really understand it. But he was like, you know, I'll defer to the experience of this person who is obviously a stellar researcher. Right. 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 So. He goes on, he finds a way to, um, you know, write the paper. He puts special acknowledgments in to that researcher to say, hey, thanks for checking this out, right? Thanks for looking into this for me. Um, this is what this person found, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, he, he sends it off to... Who I forget who what the person's name was, but he sends it off to basically some woman that is a piece no no of no shit. no the woman who is the piece of shit is the one who he put the acknowledgement in the paper for. Oh okay okay okay. He sends it off to what was pretty much the most respected evolutionary biologist of his day at that time, right? And mm-hmm. shame on me for not remembering the person's name. But we're linking the podcast and all the fucking details are there. Um, so the that guy is like, this is huge. This is great. Yes, we need to get it published. He makes recommendations for them to get published in like nature. I think he writes a forward for them. He does a whole like introduction thing. And, you know, this is one of those types of people where if you have his seal of approval and it gets sent yeah. for publishing, like it gets published. Yeah, where the right. endorsement really, really matters in that community. Yeah. Like, heavily matters. Heavily matters. So, it gets sent back to Weinstein and the the people he was working with from Nature once they've submitted everything and says, um, we're sending it out for peer review. Cool, right? So, the way that the peer review system works is... If you submit something, then the editor of the journal is already going to be an expert in the field, right? Right. Um, So the editor decides, yes, it's valid enough to send out for peer review, and then they send it to peer review to other experts in the field to basically invite them to rip it apart as much as they possibly can. And if it comes back looking good enough still to publish in... I mean, Nature is one of the foremost scientific journals in the world. So that's a big deal. Right, right. Um, so they send it out for peer review and he doesn't hear anything back for a while and then he gets it back and they say, we've decided not to publish. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why? <laughs> uh, and they send it back to him. You know, they send, they send him the peer reviews. They're, they're anonymous, uh, supposedly, but a lot of the times you can tell from the types of arguments leveled against it, who, who wrote it, who wrote it. Right. Yeah. And he was able to tell it was that person. And he emailed back to Nature and said, this is bullshit for this reason and this reason and this reason. And if you want to get into it in more detail, we can get on a call and talk about it in more detail. So 
he was then recommended to publish it in another publication that's not as prestigious, prestigious as Nature, yeah. right? And yeah. if it's if it's rigorous enough to be published in another journal, it's not. It doesn't mean that it wasn't good enough to be published in Nature, right? Right. Um, right. Nature has a habit of picking the most awesome kind of things but this Flashy is shit. yeah this is yeah. one of those things right it should have been yeah acknowledged at that point as a breakthrough certainly so some time goes by it gets published in that journal um you know details 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 i'm more interested in the science and the consequences right um so Eventually, the woman who he had initially reached out to, who was one of the people that it had been sent to for peer review, and she is the one who tore it apart, mm-hmm. right? Ripped it a new asshole. Yeah. And yeah. He, he says to this day, he had sent it to her before sending it to that second journal to mm-hmm. see what she thought about it. And he says to this day, he still has like her handwriting on a printed copy of it where she raises all her objections to it and he says they're not substantial objections of course i haven't read that so i don't know what her perspective is on it right but he then sees her nominated for a nobel prize in biology mm-hmm. so and then why she proceeds to go up on the stage and give the presentation of the research that he did as her own research. As her own. Not not referencing him. I mean, of course she had to do enough to it to make it look like her own. To distinguish it from it getting printed. From what was printed in the other journal. Right? The, right. the journal that's not nature. I think it was the Journal of Geriatric Medicine or something. Um, <clears throat> so, he goes... And watches her presentation and sees his research research being presented on a Nobel Prize stage, realizing he could have won a Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. And after that, he kind of fucks off to this liberal arts college and is just a teacher for a long time. Just like, I mean, but what could he have done in that situation? Like, Well, exactly. What could he have done? No, I'm asking you. I'm asking everyone. Oh, okay. I was like, no, I'm really asking. Are there steps in place when someone steals your research within your community, like there should be. So in in the podcast, he talks about how he emailed her and said, "Hey, look, this is stuff that I started, right? Like, right, right. At at a minimum, I should get, if not a reference, then an acknowledgement in your paper. Yeah, right. And she says, "I've checked my email." And I have no record of that conversation. Right? Bitch, because please. because he called her and talked to her wow. on the phone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's a real piece of work, man. Yeah, yeah. It certainly sounds like it. She needs to have her Nobel Prize stripped away. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing that Eric was championing. Right. Yeah. And I also think it speaks volumes that on this podcast, they say, look, we acknowledge the fact that we are two brothers talking about this. And there's a lot of things that are just impossible to present, you know, right. as as evidence on our behalf, because 
I mean, that's the way that she let it slip through, slip through the cracks too, is, you know, Brett was, Brett didn't have the foresight to make sure he got everything in, in writing. writing. Yeah. Or recorded. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like they, and they've got pretty large platforms now. They directly called her out and said, you're more than welcome to come on to either of our shows or a bigger show, even like Joe Rogan, because they're both friends with Joe Rogan. Right. And said, look, we can hash this out in public. You can say why you think what you did wasn't wrong. Right. There's no way she'll do it. Uh, no, no, I don't There's even think no this fucking was. Way. I don't think this was a recent podcast when we listened to it. Right. Really? I don't I think it was. was. I don't think so. It might have been, oh, okay. but I don't. I didn't get the feeling that it was. Um, but this is this is like it opens up the door to so many of the other problems that I think you and I have discussed on this show, right? Like gaps, gaps in. You know, the way that experiments are done, right? Yeah. Um, gaps in, I mean, this process that, I mean, I, I, I do know that it has its flaws, but I hold the scientific method, especially peer review and everything up to a very, like, like that means a lot to me, right? Right, right. Um, and seeing it be abused and used improperly and, you know just making itself look this bad because of the people who are involved in it. I really don't, I don't like having to call it out, but I think it's the responsibility of anyone who does believe in the system to call out the flaws in the system. Yeah. Right. Um, which is what science is supposed to be about. It is supposed to be. And you wouldn't expect, like when I was listening to this story, I feel like it would have been, more prominent back when, you know, like Madame Curie type time period. Yeah. When, you know, I mean, there's women scientists that their work was stolen by men up and down the board. I would have expected it more from that time period than in my lifetime for someone to steal someone's work like that. You know, like, I don't know why, but I just did. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it seems like it would be easier back then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this happened in, in the 90s, I believe. Yeah, 90s, I think it was the 90s. 90s or late 90s, early 2000s. I think it was the 90s. Yeah. <clears throat> so. I mean, it's, there should be some just, kind of review process, some kind of board, a court system, if you will, that scientists could bring cases against other people that have stolen their intellectual property. I mean, that should be just a checks and balance type of thing. Well, I think there's a big problem with the way that the system is constructed right now, right? Because, so, the the biggest reason for this person to hold, like, say I'm going to keep the research in-house, right, is because instead of publishing all all of the information out front and getting it to the people who need it, fastest right Mm -hmm. there is a thing of like oh well i'm going to be able to kind of do experiment after experiment and basically tease it out into like multiple grants worth of stuff versus one like hey i'm doing this experiment and i'm gonna have to do it you know all at once and like the more little pieces of that you let go the the greater your reputation is the better it is to secure funding 
right? Yeah, and the which is the hardest. Is. That, yeah. God, it's, so yeah, like speaking as once a, again, uh, once again, money's fucking corrupt and everything. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've raised money for medical research, and I've dug into research grants. And holy shit, as someone that has done grants for a large majority of their career, those are terrifying. Those are so fucking intimidating, even for me. It, that's yeah. a lot. And yeah, it's it's rough. It's a shit ton of money, too. Yeah, it, it, is, it is for a shit ton of money because it takes a lot of money to do these experiments right, you know? Yeah, it does. Even and the equipment's expensive. Shit. The equipment's super expensive, right? So... I mean, even some of the lower-end stuff is going to cost, like, lower-end equipment, right, is going to cost tens of thousands of dollars, right? Yeah, there is And that this, might uh, just be... There's this microscope that I was looking into grants for to get for Lyme research, and it was like a thermal microscope. I can't even remember all the technical shit. But that thing was close in the, like, $25,000, $50,000 range. For yeah. one microscope. Well, you know, you and I have talked about the importance of being able to break things down into their parts to be able to look right. at each little thing. Um, I don't know if we've talked about that on here, but that that's about all you need to know, right? Um, for those types of machines, right, even ones that don't have inbuilt things to tell you what the, what the thing is, right, um... So like there 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 are multiple th- there's something called gas chromatography, liquid chromatography. Um there's also uh infrared spectroscopy and mass spectroscopy, right? Mm-hmm. Now with these with these four things you can pretty much get a good like a good idea of the type of compounds that you're working with, right? And I mean this 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 sounds like chemistry stuff but it's when you break biology down into chemistry to understand the biology better too right right they all overlap. um yeah they do they all overlap and physics is this whole other fucking realm of that thing that i'm not even prepared to think about <laughs> um so for, so for gas chromatography that's going to be an ongoing expense because you have to fuel the thing with gas but just to get the basic parts of it, you're probably looking at, I mean, 25 grand on the very low end, right? Yeah. And that's one of the, like, that's one of the more crude tools, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for liquid, it's going to be more. I think those are more like 50, maybe. I'm not even positive, right? Dude, I think I was for underestimating mass- how much that microscope was now that I'm thinking about it. I think it was close to like 100. Yeah, for for a mass spectroscopy, I think you do run more more in the neighborhood of 100 grand just yeah. to get the instrument, not even the stuff to keep it running, right? And there's also like a bunch of software and shit you have to get with these things, which depending on the way that you buy it, you might not get the software just with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um and then yeah, um infrared spectroscopy, th- those things are also fucking insanely expensive, right? So the mass spec and the in the IR, the infrared, um those are the things that once you once you break something down, you can look at the individual parts of it and tell what they are, right? Um for the gas and the liquid chromatography, those are the things that you can use to see like 
how to separate all the different parts of this stuff to know like what is the active thing you can do experiments with. Right. Um, so I mean, that's just like a little bitty glimpse into how expensive this stuff is. I mean, not counting man hours or like specimens or anything like that. Right. 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 So you're not, I think this is a good time. You're not getting stuff at the Odin crisper package price deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're not spending a hundred bucks and then doing GMOs on dogs. Right. But I feel like we've set it up fairly well to get into the, the better, like the the second half of this, which is probably going to be more like the consequence portion of the show, right? Right, right. Yeah. So we can we can come back and discuss that. So the part of the podcast that kind of most um, drew me in, so to say, was the part that a lot of the viewers were saying was so cringeworthy to them, which was the relationship aspect of this with two brothers sitting down and the big brother, Eric being like, Brett, stop being, you know, a puss and fucking stand up over up, dude. And, you know, proclaim your accomplishments and to stand by what you've done and to stand up for yourself. And I feel like it kind of says a lot about, I don't know if where we are as a culture that, We've kind of been programmed not to take pride in ourselves and not take pride in our accomplishments. It's seen as vanity. Yeah. And yeah, there that that's a real thing to where like to be to be boastful is one thing, but to to have a leg to stand on and still not standing up on it is is a thing that's happened because modesty is like kind of uh it's valued very highly. Right, right. Right. Which I don't think is a bad thing inherently, but I do think in a situation like this, yeah, you need to understand modesty isn't what what's necessary right now. Right, and there's a there's a difference between you know being vain and boastful when it's not true. If it's your true accomplishments and what you're truly capable of doing, take fucking pride in that and stand on it. And yeah, you know there was a really cool moment where you and I were talking about it afterwards and you're like, yeah, it reminded me of a conversation I witnessed between you and your brother. And I think that was part of what drew me in so much was that their dynamic was, I mean, my brother and I are not on the intellectual level of Brett and Eric, but I feel like we can hold our own in some conversations. And some for sure. I mean, your, your brother is, I mean, he is like a, he has his master's in English. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of the stuff you guys talk about, right? Right. It is. I mean, like that's a, we've grown up dissecting books and things like that together and, you know, kind of breaking apart whatever we're watching or reading or whatever we're ingesting to what the deeper meaning is and what's the kind of what's behind the veil sort of thing. Right. So, I mean, I really enjoyed watching two intellectual giants that had such a familiar relationship with each other that they could call each other on their bullshit. You know? Yeah. I I really love that. Um, I think you're exactly hit. Like you're really hitting the nail on the head though, about how we sort of live in a culture where people are not only, not only do they 
have this thing where I, you know, not, not me specifically, but people are kind of saying to themselves, like, I shouldn't be boastful about my achievements and that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like my work should speak for itself, which I mean, your work should be able to speak for itself, but you know, sometimes it needs a fucking light shined on it. Exactly. Right? And you're your best advocate. You're your work's best advocate. Yeah. Like but no what's one's going to toot that horn as well as you do. Yeah. The thing that got me even more though, is the way that not only do people feel that way about themselves, but they are like they had sort of a disgust reaction to another person being pushed to do that. Right, right. I mean, he was visibly uncomfortable. Very like, visibly uncomfortable. Eric even starts it off like, look, I know you're not going to want to do this. And the first half of it is him convincing his brother to just fucking say what happened. You know, like, right. dude, stop, stop being so modest. Stop being so, you know, eyes downwardly cast. Right. And hold your chin up. This is what you've done. Yeah, it is. It's really, really, really crazy to me how it's such a, like, just just thing in our culture where we're, it's like we're not supposed to be proud of, of anything, right? Right. But then we've, we've done this odd thing where, oh no, you can't be proud of what you've done. But you have to be proud of things that are unchangeable about you, right? Of of your of the superficial. Yeah, the superficial mm-hmm. things like sexual identity, gender identity, and race. Like your religion, it's weird. Those, you can take pride in and, all and religion. of these things. Yeah, yeah, all of those things are are being used as like, no, you have to be proud of this because this is who you are, and this and this and this. And I'm like, for me and Ooh. most of the people. What? I just had a thought. Okay, I don't want to lose okay. it. So, do you think that it is a tool in which to get people to more identify in cliques than identify as an individual capable of independent thought and discovery? Yeah. I mean, like that, I mean, it seems like that's just, they want us divided on these different groups and I'm, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a this, I'm a that, not I'm just a person and we're all just people. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think there are certain parts of that, that element of, of like the, the, like you, you, you need to be proud of those parts of yourself because those parts of yourself are unchangeable parts of yourself, you know? Right. right. I don't, so I, have I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. Right. But having that be the thing that you can take pride in almost exclusively is a little different. Yeah, it is. Right. And, um, yeah, I, I do absolutely think it's the the emphasis on that is to divide people more. I mean, and and to further even go down like the slope with that, you could say it's even to discourage um, more discovery. You know, like to of who you really are and what you want and your desires and your capabilities. If you are if you don't, if you aren't praised for what you can accomplish, it takes away the drive. Well, not the drive, but it takes away some of the allure to some people to actually create and accomplish. You know, if it's not, if, you know, it's the whole thing of like, why would you make something if no one's ever going to look at it or hear it? That's how, not that everybody has this trained mindset, but that's how some people are. And it discourages those people from even 
venturing into themselves to define themselves further beyond their sexual identity or whatever group they belong to. Yeah, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think it's, it's more so that the selection pressure, right. Of, of these systems that we kind of discussed are put in place. Uh, I feel like it, it makes it so the selection pressure can be greater, right. By saying like, unless the system chooses you because you can function the system in the way that it wants you to function. Right. right. Yeah. You have to be that. You have to be the right shape for that whole kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's part of the reason. I mean, we, we have a classic example of like, what's almost like a fucking fairy tale villain in, in this, the story of what happened to Brett Weinstein. You really Weinstein. do, dude. You know, I mean, She's it's like literally evil. like, yeah. And I, I do really, really, really want to hear her side of the story too. I like, do too. I'm trying to um, keep that in mind that there is another side to this. But, but it sounds, at the same time, I don't see how she could redeem herself in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, I do think, though, something that they get into um, where they talk about what's broken in the system, uh, one piece of what's broken within the system, is this thing of peer review, right? It is. Now, I mean, you're trusting somebody else after it's already gone... Th- gone to an editor which is an expert in the field of which you're publishing you're having to submit then to your peers that you're having to just trust they're not going to steal your shit well Obviously, it's also that peers that happen. you're in competition with right yeah and that's just so, not no so i think that's a double-edged sword because yes if they're peers that you're in competition with then yes they're going to go the hardest on your research and i never ever 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 want to hear about any researcher ever going easy on someone because they like them you know right no like no. i want this stuff to be held to the greatest possible scrutiny that it can be right i um, agree with you there and the the problem the problem with with it being people in competition is obviously when this is a grad student publishing a paper he's not someone with any like power in the field right right he's he doesn't have those strings and those connections yet he's yeah. young i mean they're young they're new and they're green and when you're like that you're naive as well and you're good yeah, you're, you're, it's easy to take advantage of you exactly you it's really easy are. to take advantage of the of, of people like that and it's easy to flex your muscle when you're not the person <laughs> who is new anymore right um i think there's a real issue with that and one of the sort of Fixes for that part of the system that they propose is to abolish that front end peer review, right? Which makes a lot of, for me being trained in the way that I was trained and like I'm conditioned to hear, you know, like anytime I hear like peer review equal bad, I like want to rage against it, right? (laughs) Like it was really like a fucking Pavlovian response when they started talking about this ridiculous peer review system. And I was like, hey, hold, pump the fucking brakes, guys. (laughs) I've been listening to this long ass podcast and you're going to get on this shit at the end. Yeah. Like, I've been duped. uh, Yeah. I was really, I was really bothered by that at first. But then what they said was the solution was saying, hey, no, you cut off this like three researcher peer review thing, right? Mm hmm. 
you you have a pretty well-rounded expert as the editor of that paper, right? There's a reason people are respected enough to become editors of journals like that, and it's right. because they know their shit, they're, man. They know their shit, and they're well-rounded enough right. to take in and objectionable. Yeah. So you you cut off that front end um, peer review. You don't send it to people before publication, before it's out there, right? You publish it because that's when the real peer review happens anyway, right? Oh, yeah, because everybody's going to tear it apart then. Yeah, people in the field who are paying attention to it, especially other grad students, because let me tell you, grad students are like fucking wolves. They need <laughs> fucking meat, yeah, all right? Yeah. yeah, they do. So you you throw them a fucking softball, like some bad research that they can get their name on a paper with, and they will eviscerate it as fast as they can. And take pleasure in doing it, man. Yeah, they will. They will. So, good, right? Right, that's, right. That's a much a much better way of doing this, right? And even respected researchers, once they, once they see that it's been published and then they can publicly make a response to it, like, for one, I think that's going to give them even more incentive to do that because everyone is looking to get their name in print as much as they can in that field. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. You need that so, line. Yeah, so they will be happy to jump on some bad research that they read, mm-hmm. right? If something doesn't look right, and these are people who are used to looking at this stuff. So I, I'm, I'm completely with them on that. Like, fuck that first part of the peer review, right? Don't yeah. send it to people who might have an ulterior motive, which in this situation was absolutely fucking bonkers, I right? I mean, how much more they, this is, has to have happened more times than we know. It, yeah, it has to have. That's that's the that's the big thing I worry about. Right. And How it many shows other times and what else has it been used for? Yeah, it shows multiple examples of failures in our research system that that make me nervous, right? I mean, there's a lot of them that are making me nervous right now. I know, you're I mean, you're much more prone to being nervous than I am. Yeah, but, I am, especially about science you know, and government shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, me having looked at the nuts and bolts of it more you know, where to me it looks like, oh, you just tighten this thing over here and it's all, you know, massively improved. Yeah, You're yeah. like, oh, no, we're not even, we don't even have the flux capacitor. What's going on? Yeah, no, you we know? have no tools to fix this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so it, it, it worries me where you see the commercialized part of the system resulting in, like, of course, I mean, it's a business that was breeding the rats, right? Right. A business has to function like a business. They're going to do everything in the way that's going to maximize their profit. It concerns me. Yeah, because it's capitalism. And it concerns me that nowhere along the way did anyone realize until this happened. And this, I mean, this has been in place for a very long time when this happened. That, oh shit, like, this could be... There, there could be a flaw in the system right here. Like at the right? beginning, yeah, at the basis, yeah. there's a crack in the foundation. And I, I, that's that's the kind of thing that I worry about. That that's the place where me and you find the most overlap. I think yeah, is that we I do. recognize there are smaller, like there there are parts of the system that are flawed that we probably haven't caught yet, mm-hmm. right? Which is why, like, I don't advocate throwing all of your fucking prescriptions out the window like you do. But and, and the reason I do is because I just don't trust it as much as you do. Yeah. I, See, I, I think feel it, like I this think is it works. a beautiful like example of 
being on the receiving end of science as opposed to being the creator of it. Like with you and me, okay? Just well, taking as example, you're someone that's more in the field of, you know, wanting to do the doing of it and the creation and all of that. And I'm someone that's kind of been at the mercy of it on the receiving end of all the flaws. You feel well, see, me? I'm, yeah, but okay, this week that gun got turned on me. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. So, yeah, I know it's deep in the episode. I, I wasn't sure I wanted to talk about it. But yeah, I'm I'm quarantined right now, very likely infected with the coronavirus right and this is not um, a gimmick i swear guys <laughs> yeah like waiting waiting on test results yeah i've been um, tripping out and giving him you know book long paragraphs of text messages of herbs to get yeah um and and luckily right e- even if it is positive i both me and the person that i live with seem to be relatively asymptomatic right um the the reason this all started is one of us was told you have symptoms of the virus and you need to be checked and you both need to be quarantined. Right. right? Um, but right now we, so, I mean, we've, we've been discussing you and I, Jessica have been discussing like the parts of the system that are problematic and why we might see those as problematic. But also we're in a situation where, those same parts of the system are getting skipped mm-hmm. for the production of of like medications for this coronavirus, right? And, and the vaccine th- too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was I was talking about both. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> the the vaccine is the thing that I'm most concerned about, right? Well, I mean, I'm sure that I'm not I'm not going to dig into neither one of us are our stances on vaccines. I'm sure that everybody can assume, as a scientist, you are pro-vaccination. As a hippie, I am anti-vax. But, that just said, it alarms me so greatly to fast-track anything that you're going to be injecting into the mass populace and skip human testing. Especially after watching... No, they're not skipping, they're not skipping human testing, they're skipping animal testing. Though, okay. They didn't they just they injected it into volunteers, uh, like yeah, that's that's not a trial. That's not a human test. That's not how it works. Well, they they just, didn't do animal testing at all before that, though. That's that's the, a that's, problem that as freaks well. me out. But yeah. there's not a proper test. Even the human trials quotes heavy quotes on this that they are trying to pass off as human trials is not a fucking proper human trial. You don't get yeah. people to volunteer to have something injected in their body without proper parameters put in spa- in place. I don't think it should be done anyways, but if you're going to do it, at least do it the safest way. Yeah, and I mean, I understand that there's a like a real worldwide pandemic going on and people are people are scared. I mean, I look, I'm I'm pretty fucking nervous, honestly. You know, when I first got the news but that see, related okay. directly to me. Yeah. I, I didn't even I didn't even tell you for a full day. Yeah, right? you didn't. Um I sat at home and just like contemplated what this could mean. You know, I tried to soothe myself with the stats, but you know, I'm learning in a, a more real way than ever that the stats don't make you fucking feel better when it's happening. No, you know? it doesn't. I mean, um Go ahead. No, I mean so 
it's kind of touching on a open wound with me, I believe. And to call this, okay, I do not understate the severity in which a global pandemic happens. I understand that. However, as somebody that has a disease that's numbers of infected far surpass the flu, the coronavirus, X, Y, and Z, and to see this mass hysteria break out, and we've got to solve it. We're going to funnel all this money into research and funding and finding a cure and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, you've got 427,000 people like me every year, and that's a soft estimate, in just the U.S., suffering from another disease that can't get any fucking research money. Like, it's infuriating yeah. on a level that I hate to even admit it's infuriating on. Like I'm no, a- I've I've seen I've seen your frustration in real time with this a bunch of times. I mean, yeah, I stuff we even- don't we don't talk about on the show, but like you really, I mean, you you're regularly at least sending me text messages. When I was able to see you a lot in person, I would show up and you'd be pissed off about something along that vein, yeah. just on a day, right? Yeah, but you're regularly I'm- sending me text messages about how fucked up it is that. There's all these people suffering with this thing that just won't get fucking talked about really when, and yeah, then something like this pops up that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a global pandemic. So is Lyme. Yeah. You know, I mean. The, the, the only problem, the only problem that Lyme has right now with the kind of exposure that this has is the speed at which it spreads. Right. 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 Like. If if I was able to catch Lyme just by sitting on the porch with you, right? Um, right. Yeah. No, I just see what you're saying. I understand it's not an airborne infection. Yeah. I understand that. But at the same time, like, there's so many different things that are like just hot pokers in the fucking heart for people that deal with chronic illness with all of this shit going on. It really is. Like, I mean, I hate to, I hate to step into that role, but man, if you got a chronically ill friend, reach out to them lately. Like, check on their mental health. Because being categorized as the expendables of society does not fucking feel good. Okay? No. No. Being part absolutely of the not. only statistic, fuck your only up the ass. Okay? I don't, I don't accept it. I'm not only a, a person with autoimmune deficiencies. I'm a fucking person that has value. And that's just not okay. That should not be with the move in society to be so inclusive fucking remember the chronically ill community as well and include them i'll step down yeah. off my soapbox i apologize no, no I'm, I'm not getting off that soapbox actually I mean, because that so mm-hmm. that that's directly fucking relevant to the shit that's happening in our country right now okay like so this this only whatever percent okay and it's a much smaller percent with this virus than it is with lyme disease which is making it you know like that's even more infuriating. It is. Right? <clears throat> but right now we're in a situation where okay, we're skipping steps of the drug development for this this pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And uh I listen, me now more than ever I want fucking drugs to be there, right? Um this thing that our glorious quotes fucking glorious leader Did you um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Cheeto Christ. 
he's running out there saying, yes, we have a cure. Well, you know, we have a treatment. Some might call it a cure, uh, right? But then immediately, immediately, okay, for one, the vaccine's not going to be ready. Okay, even if the vaccine that they skipped a bunch of steps on is flawless, right? And I'm not saying it won't be. I'm not saying it won't be. But even if it is, okay, that won't be ready for like 14 months. I thought it was right? like, eight, yeah, about 18 months, they said. Uh, they were they were doing 14-month trials on the test subjects, right? Oh, okay. The volunteers. Okay. Um, that they didn't do animal testing on, so they didn't check like long-term toxicity on the drug. Mm-hmm. Of course um, they didn't. So the... The, the the drug that is getting touted as the cure right now is a combination of azithromycin and, uh, uh, you know, that malaria med that I can't remember the name of. It's in the news all the time right now. Yeah. Um, I have personal what, experience with azithromycin. Yeah. Well, the thing that they they are using to... Like, it's getting studied a lot now. It's It's been... It's being used all over the place. Research is about to start pouring in about it. Mm-hmm. And if it's highly effective guess what i'm thrilled right right i'm thrilled it doesn't make me wrong right now right it doesn't um i am very concerned that this is being touted as a cure before a lot of research has been done on it and what happened was there was like a small study in france that got all this started where some doctor who didn't randomize the recipients of the drugs and he administered them himself Right. So he knew everyone who was getting the drug and he didn't like, you know, it's possible that he gave it selectively so that it looked more promising. Right. right? To the healthier patients. Yeah. This wouldn't stand as a strong stage one trial in the United States. Right. I don't know how they do things in France, but here that wouldn't that wouldn't stand as a strong phase one trial right? because of the emergency situation that we're in right now. They're saying, fuck it, we'll 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 go ahead and try to treat it like a stage two trial now um only something something like 27 percent okay my, my stats might be a little bit fuzzy but the feeling behind them is correct here <laughs> um only something like 27 percent of phase one trials that were executed well make it to phase two mm-hmm. right and this was not executed well to start with right okay and then Getting through phase two, something like 63% of them pass phase, like pass into phase three, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're we're looking like those numbers get shaved down real fast as you get through those trials, right? right. And skipping a part of it, not great, okay? Then, yeah, you're skipping the proof of concept part, like completely. Yeah. So... Look, you know, I understand we need a way to respond to the thing. And people do seem to be responding to it to to some degree, right? Yeah, but like they're also responding to just vitamin C, IV vitamin C in New York. Well, right, right now they're doing both in a lot of places in New York, right? And they're they're collecting data on how well people are um, responding to eat, like both of them together, right? Because yeah, yeah. apparently... Um, para, something with the infection depletes vitamin C, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. Look, I'm taking vitamin C now, right? right? I'm taking 
fairly large doses. I, I, I'm I'm not over here recommending people do this either. I looked no, up the dosages that they do advice. in New York, and I'm taking less than that, but I'm getting a lot more vitamin C than I would normally take. Yeah. Um. This this thing where they're skipping it though, and saying, hey, well, you know, only these amount of people are really going to be badly affected if we just go ahead and reopen the economy because, you know, it's about time America started making money again. Um, Fuck every single piece of that. Fuck every fuck single every piece single of that. Fuck every single piece of that. Amen. Okay. Fuck yeah, man. Like, that's made me... That... So, the disdain that you feel when you, as a rational person hear someone saying a sacrifice off our grandparents to restart the fucking economy and that they wouldn't have a problem with it which is exactly what they said on fox news word for word like not even paraphrasing maybe not maybe not word for word someone was on there saying look i'm 75 years old i'm at high risk for the virus but i don't want the economy to be shit for my grandkids and i'm like well for one it's already gonna be exactly moving beyond that don't ever Don't ever come out and say we're willing to sacrifice percentages of our population for this fucking market. Exactly. And and that's that's where you feel as someone that's chronically ill with this because you're lumped in with that with the grandparent group because they're not just saying sacrifice the grandparents. They're talking about that. I mean, they're including they're talking about you. Yeah, they're talking about me and my friends and the people that I advocate for. And that's not okay because I know brilliant minds that would be lost if we if we sacrifice this these people. Like yeah. that's not okay. Oh, it's not okay. There's like a whole episode not okay. <laughs> no, it it really is. It's it's really it's really 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 upsetting. Yeah. Right. And. See, this is this is the weird thing that I knew we were going to get into in this episode where we talk about the flaws in the system, but we also talk about how necessary the system is. It is necessary. Right? I'm not saying it's not at all. No, I, no, I know you're not saying it's not. <laughs> um, I mean, this is I think I think it's interesting that we can put it together this way because for a lot of people listening, I know they probably have similar similar frustrations to you because there are a lot of onlys out there. Right, there are right? a lot of onlys. That's, that's right. That's something that I think is massively getting overlooked right now is there are a lot of onlys. Mm-hmm. Okay, only people over the age of 60. Okay, only people with immune systems that are compromised. Only people who have health issues already. And we have a right? startling rate of immune problems in the U.S. Like, a startling rate. Well, I mean, do, you know, obesity is one of these things that people are listing as, like, preconditions to make oh, you more at risk for the virus. They are. They're, okay? I mean, diabetes, heart disease, the, yeah. any kind of asthma, even. If you've had asthma, you're, you're a part of the onlys and the sacrificial lambs. Congratulations. Yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of onlys out here yeah. right now, specifically for this. But in general, there are a lot of these onlys yeah. that get written off. A whole lot. And um, 
Yeah, I, I can't fucking stand for it on this one. I know this is, like, a little more political than we would usually go, but seriously, this is fucked up, guys. But like, it's not just political because it's societal as well. That this, yeah. we should not accept this. We should not have people in power or on any kind of platform saying, we can get rid of this group of people and it'll be okay because then we'll start making money. Fuck you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I guess fuck you is probably a good place to leave the episode at. Fuck you, lady, uh, that stole the research, and fuck you for thinking that people are expendable. <clears throat> good night. <laughs> like, well, it's ridiculous. I, I feel like there was some little offshoot of that thing that we we meant to touch on here that we haven't, right? But I, I can't remember what it was. I can't <laughs> so, either. I've gotten so, like... Heart racing, blood boiling. Now thinking about all the only like uh. same, yeah. So so really, it's it's important to look at the flaws in in everything in right? any system. Yeah. Yes. Understand that there are reasons the flaws exist, and there are fixes for those flaws. Right. And they're not But you perfect. have to be... Like, these systems were created by human beings across different times. They're not perfect. We've got to right. re- remodel. We need to remodel. Fuck, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, look, everyone, just please, please be be wary of this stuff and don't just let yourself be led to believe don't don't have the kind of response that i had when i heard about this this peer review thing right right um it it would have been easy for me to shut that thing off then and be like these people are fucking crazy right right yeah like okay these people want to abolish peer review like, well that's that's nuts right and you know that that's the same with the situation in our country right now because we are very 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 divided very and and isolated huh. yeah and and isolated and I'll, I'll tell you honestly i think you know not that i'm rooting for it right <laughs> i think if there was something absolutely like some absolute calamity would befall us right say this thing were to get bad enough that we don't we we don't have electricity anymore right, right? so all of all of the resources that we've thought we had with the internet um basic shit like something so extreme happens that we don't have access to electricity anymore all of a sudden communities are going to start needing each other again yep. okay like we're going to have to start working together but we hang on but or clarify we'll, that we'll start killing each other clarify that because we already need each other we'll realize how much we need each other yeah again. we'll realize how much we need each other yeah so this the 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 kind of polarization that we we're experiencing right now where, you know, if you're someone who is like, well, only X percent of people are really at risk for this thing. We can, we can let it rip again. I really want you to re-examine that, right? Just the same way, the same way that I did with the, the peer review thing, right? And if you're someone who is, is, is walking around saying, well, I'm not really at risk and, you know, I would like money, Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't get me wrong right now. I'm in, a, I'm in a, like 
a little bit of a scary financial situation because I can't go to work. Right, right. right. Um, I don't, I don't really care. I am because at the end of the day, I mean, it stuff like this happens, and you know, donations to nonprofits go to a crawl. So, I mean, we're hoping we yeah, can pay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that, but I want people to be safe more than anything. Yeah, and I do too. Like, I mean, where I'm saying as well, like this is affecting both of us financially as well, and yeah, we would still rather this to be handled properly and with people's safety, the mass of people's safety, everyone's safety, not just whatever percentage are healthy. You know, I'm really right. happy for the percentage of y'all that are healthy, but you know, us that aren't, we need a little extra help right now, guys. Like, and if you don't have somebody in your life that is chronically ill and part of the only, I'll be the only representative, you know, that, Hey, if you're thinking about that, they're expendable Keep in mind, you listen to one of the people that are part of the Expendables. Like, yeah, exactly. Just exactly. Keep that in mind. You know more people than you think you do that things like this can take out. All right. I think we are actually ready to stop. I think so, too. So, everybody stay safe. I feel like we've yeah. been saying that a lot lately. We but have. We've needed to say it a lot lately. We have. And, y'all, for real, I mean, I know that it sounds real cheesy. But seriously, check on your friends that are included in the only category, your family member, because it's been yeah. real hard to watch the news lately, like real fucking hard. Listen, call your grandparents. Seriously, call your grandparents. Call, listen, I know, call your grandparents and make sure that they understand there's not a cure. Right, right, because misinformation is rampant right now. Yeah. So, Um. yeah, yeah look, yeah, everybody, <laughs> uh, yeah, again, be safe. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. You've been sitting here uh, practicing for a TED Talk for what seems like 10 minutes. It's already awkward. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of liking it. I think we've just about reached our time. I think we have. So, all right, everybody, go out there, get the information you need. We We have no information on said family. We have no information on anything. We know nothing. (laughs) Uh, We look forward to talking to you next time. See you next time, guys.